Back in 2014, when I was based in London, I covered the first Scottish independence referendum. It was a fascinating time to be there. Of course, I'd grown up in Quebec, so I knew a lot about the whole notion of independence referendums. Um, so it was a fascinating time to be in Scotland. Uh, and just eight years later, uh, at least according to Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, we are heading back towards another referendum. Uh, she's vowing to have one by the end of next year. She launched her campaign on Tuesday, arguing that Scotland would be economically better off outside of the United Kingdom. Now, Sturgeon, who leads the Scottish National Party, as well as the devolved government in Scotland, they have their own government with limited powers in Scotland, as well as they send MPs to Westminster for the UK government as well. She's says it's time to revisit the case for Scotland to leave the United Kingdom after 300 plus years. Here she is. It is time to set out a different and better vision. It is time to talk about making Scotland wealthier and fairer. It is time to talk about independence and then to make the choice. The competence of the Scottish Parliament to legislate is contested and that therefore is the situation we must navigate to give people the choice of independence. Now, that work is well underway, and the people of Scotland elected a Scottish Parliament with a decisive majority in favour of both independence and the right to choose. The Scottish Parliament, therefore, has an indisputable democratic mandate, and we intend to honour that. That is Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. One of the people who will be campaigning for independence alongside Sturgeon is Scottish Green Party co-leader Lorna Slater, who happens to be the Minister for Green Skills, the Circular Economy and Biodiversity. Um, quickly, I should mention that because even though Sturgeon leads a party that has a pro-independence majority along with Lorna Slater's Green Party, um, Boris Johnson has said already that he opposes a new referendum and Lorna Slater uh, will no doubt explain this, but uh, they need UK, the UK's approval for this. If not, it's going to be difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. Uh, he says the issue was settled back in 2014. Well, back to Lorna Slater. Again, she is Canadian, born in Alberta, went to UBC, studied engineering, uh, ended up in Scotland. She's now a minister in the government because the SNP and the Green Party have a power-sharing situation, not unlike the ones we've seen uh, here in British Columbia. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Lorna Slater supports Scottish independence. So as a Canadian in government there with this perhaps happening by the end of next year, we thought who better to speak to about this. So Lorna Slater, co-leader of the Scottish Green Party, MSP for the Lothian region and Minister for Green Skills, the Circular Economy and Biodiversity joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. I'm delighted to be here. I guess Canadians would always be curious to know how a Calgary native, a UBC engineering grad wound up in Scottish Parliament. How did, how did you get there? Well, once I graduated from UBC, I decided that paying off Canadian student loans in British pounds, which at that time before Brexit, the British pound was a very strong currency, sounded like a good idea. So I put my engineering degree in my pocket and rocked up in the UK and I was offered two jobs within the first week or two, which shows you how short of engineers they are over here. And uh, yeah, I was I was working as an engineer, hands-on engineer Um right up until I was elected last year, actually, and I was never politically active in any way. I always voted, but I'd never been active. But after the referendum for Scottish independence in 2014, I felt that an opportunity had been lost. And so 
like many people, I actually signed up to a political party at that point. And what we found is about two weeks after that referendum, both the Scottish Green Party and the Scottish National Party's memberships quadrupled overnight and crashed all the servers because it must have been that other people felt, as I did, that this opportunity to create something new had been lost and we wanted to make sure that we wouldn't miss out next time. I was there in 2014 covering the referendum. I remember how it unfolded. You know, there was a, certainly a lot of passion on the yes side. There was a lot of concern by those who came out and voted no. It wasn't that close a result. But what, what, about, it, uh, what about it inspired you? Why did you think independence was the right move for Scotland in 2014? The campaign for independence in 2014, I found very exciting. Absolutely, the energy was electric. It was exciting to go into normal spaces. You'd hear people talking in restaurants about proportional representation. You'd hear a waitress talking with someone about what powers were reserved to Westminster. There was this kind of feeling that suddenly we had a chance to make a change. And when you say that uh, the result wasn't close, when that referendum was called, when it was announced, support for independence was only at 27%. During that campaign, because I wasn't part of the campaigning at that point, the campaigners drove that support to 45%. That's a huge increase. Now, since that time, Uh, support for independence has drifted up by itself without anybody campaigning for it to around 50%, which is where it sits today. I am confident that we can campaign and drive that support well over 50%. We are now both the Scottish Green Party and the Scottish National Party and other parties have much more experience campaigning. We're larger parties. We are much more organized. We know what we're doing this time. So we are very confident that we can win this independence this time around. So, so uh, you and your party are supportive of Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland's first minister, her timeline for a referendum, another referendum by the end of next year. The Scottish Greens are currently in a cooperation agreement with the Scottish National Party uh, to be part of the government of Scotland. That's how I come to be a Scottish government minister. And that agreement, the formal name of that agreement is the Butte House Agreement. And the Butte House Agreement does stipulate that we agree on a timeline for Uh, for this independence referendum. In our own manifesto, in the Scottish Greens' own manifesto, we said this term of parliament. So we're very much aligned on this matter. Why now? Why would you have another referendum so soon? I mean, obviously, you're fully aware of the Canadian experience here. It's only been eight years. It'll only been nine years since the previous one. Why have another one now? It's as you said, and as we mentioned earlier in this conversation, the energy around the last independence referendum was electric. We drove support for independence from 27% to 45%, and from there it has only moved up. It feels like a job left unfinished. And since that time, the Scottish people have continually elected pro-independence majorities, both down to Westminster and into the Scottish Parliament. There is a continuing appetite for Scottish independence and the disaster that is Brexit, the disaster that is Boris Johnson only drives further support for that. Although I have seen polls that suggest that a lot of Scots right now aren't necessarily too supportive of having another referendum right away. And again, that goes back to sort of the Quebec experience where voting for a party that represents your interests, like the Bloc Québécois or the Parti Québécois, doesn't necessarily mean you're voting for a referendum or for independence right away. It's just something that you know you agree with the party's stances. Is that an issue at all? Do you see that? Both the Scottish National Party and the Scottish Greens stood for election to the Holyrood Parliament last year with this in our manifestos, and we collectively won a majority for that position. Other polls this week have shown that 55% of people are in favour of holding a referendum on our timescale, so I, I absolutely don't think that that's a problem. 
I mean, a big difference this time, I was just reading in an interview that uh, Professor Kieran Martin had given today. He was the bureaucrat in charge of negotiating uh, that last referendum on behalf of the British government. So clearly, in this case, the British government needs to approve a referendum. Uh, David Cameron in 2014 or earlier did. He was willing to put uh, Scotland's future in the hands of Scottish voters. Boris Johnson has said absolutely not. And, and clearly, that's going to be a problem. How do you get around that? I think it's really telling that the Westminster government was willing to grant a referendum when support for Scottish independence was only 27%. But now the support for Scottish independence is lurking around 50%. They know full well that they stand a very good chance of losing this referendum. But instead of having the courage of their convictions to argue for the union, you know, because I can tell a fantastic story about what an independent Scotland is going to look like, how we can use our renewable resources to build a fairer, greener country, how we can rejoin Europe. I can tell a great story about what our future looks like as an independent country. But instead of trying to tell a good story about what lies ahead of us if we stay in the union, all they do is instead say, oh, you can't have a referendum. So they're not, they're not holding up the courage of their convictions. It's an undemocratic position. So they need to decide, is this a democracy or not? I, I I would argue that in this case, unfortunately for you, they're in a position where they can simply say no, uh, you know, regardless of, of respect for democracy, whether, you know, point taken. But they're in a position right now where I get the impression that they could simply say we don't recognize it. That's a very dramatic position for them to take if the UK is indeed a democracy and it is a union of equals as we have been said, told repeatedly, that would be a very dramatic position for them to take. It is our position that we have a mandate to hold this referendum. Repeatedly, the people of Scotland have returned pro-independence majorities at Westminster, at Holyrood, and we think the people of Scotland have the right to say what happens in their own future. They have the right to self-determination, which all people should have. I'm speaking with Lorna Slater, a Canadian who is the co-leader of the Scottish Green Party, an MSP for the Lothian region and Minister for Green Skills, the Circular Economy and Biodiversity. Uh, the Scottish Green Party are in an agreement with uh, with the Scottish National Party to form government with their seven MSPs, uh, adding up to 71 with the Scottish National Party's a majority in the Scottish uh, Parliament. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about the machinations of it. What would be good for Scotland in terms of independence? How would it work, uh, especially now with Brexit and uh, and the pains and we've seen with that? We'll be back with that. I'm speaking with Lorna Slater this half hour. She's the co-leader of the Scottish Green Party and MSP, a member of Scottish Parliament for the Lothian region and Minister for Green Skills, the Circular Economy and Biodiversity. We've been talking about Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland's First Minister, announcing earlier this week that there is, in fact, a timetable uh, for another Scottish independence referendum by the end of 2023. We're talking a bit about how why that uh, would be supported by both both Lorna Slater and the Scottish Greens, uh, as well as why it would be a good thing for Scotland. At the same time, why uh, Westminster is uh, is you know obviously not in a position, or at least not showing any sign that it wants to allow this referendum to take place. Um, Lorna, in terms of the question, because I've been seeing a bit about this, you know, we think back to the question in the 2014 referendum, it was so clear, independence, yes or no. And that was so different from what we saw in Quebec in 1980 and 1995. Will you campaign or will you fight to make sure the question is as concise as it was in 2014? I think we should ask exactly the same question that we asked in 2014. The question is the same. What's changed is the circumstances. Yeah, the circumstances have changed. I mean, what impact, uh, just so for listeners who may not know, in terms of in terms of Brexit, uh, clearly uh, voters in Scotland voted overwhelmingly against it. 
That's correct. So Brexit is the big thing that has changed. Scotland was taken out of the European Union against the wishes of the Scottish people. And as a result, Brexit is devastating our economy. We don't have enough labor to work in our hotels and shops and hospitals. We don't wear, you know, crops um, and, you know, things like agriculture outputs are rotting in the fields because we don't have people to to pick those. We don't have the labor. The, The sterling has crashed. You've seen it. It's fall. We've put barriers in place. Brexit has put barriers in place for our businesses. There are many businesses in Scotland that can no longer trade with Europe because there's too much paperwork. Far from being this exercise in burning up paperwork, burning up red tape, which the Tories always always pretend is a good idea, what it's done is create barriers and create red tape for our businesses to trade with our largest trading partner, which is the EU. So it's been absolutely devastating and it continues to be. It is a rolling disaster. There is no good news from Brexit. You know, the next things that are starting to come in already is uh, the UK starting to use pesticides, which are banned in the EU, lowering food standards to allow trade agreements with countries that have lower standards for agriculture, lower standards for food. That is not what we want. The EU has the world's highest standards for food, for animal tr- for treatment of animals, for things like managing pesticides. We want to be part of that regime. We want to be part of the world's best and highest standards. And so it is, it is the Scottish Green policy to rejoin the EU as soon as we can after Scottish independence to get those benefits back. Although, Lorna, you know as well as I do that joining the EU, especially with countries like Spain, who have their own um, issues with with independence within their territory, can be difficult. It's not a given. So we have colleagues in Spain. The the Green Party is a global movement, and there are European Green colleagues in Spain. And as long as our referendum is fully legal and constitutional, they have no problem with it at all. The situation in Spain is constitutionally quite different. And, of course, the First Minister has committed that any referendum will be fully legal and constitutional. When it comes to uh, just the, the, I mean, if Brexit did show something, it's also the pain of divorce. Uh, ending a 300-year union will not be easy. I think Nicola Sturgeon this time around has even alluded to the fact that there would be economic challenges. Um, what about, what about? I mean, when you look forward, what about that, especially now with, with affordability issues, we're coming out of a pandemic or we're hoping to be coming out of a pandemic, there's inflation, there's all kinds of other sort of uh, bread and butter issues to be fighting right now. Why concentrate on a referendum and 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 the pain of that, of both the campaign, the divisiveness, and the uh, and the actual a uh, pain of separation if it were to happen. Because we're right now seeing the pain of staying in this union. So Scotland is a progressive country. We want to be fairer and greener. The UK is not a progressive nation. The Conservatives, who've been in power for more than a decade. Uh, have what we call austerity politics, and that is shrinking the state, removing that valuable social safety net, making poor people poorer, whilst at the same time pocketing, you know, pocketing loads of money for their pals and taking money offshore, allowing tax evasion, that sort of thing. That is not part of that is not an economy that's benefiting Scotland. The UK economy is a basket case, and it's because it's being run in that way. The pain that we're seeing in Scotland, the cost of living crisis, inflation, all of that is because of Westminster policies. In Scotland, we have only very limited powers in our parliament. We want those full powers because we want the people of Scotland to benefit from the more progressive choices that we would make. We spend a lot of the Scottish budget, which is a fixed budget. We get a sort of fixed budget from the from Westminster. We spend a lot of that mitigating harm. So we have things like the Scottish child payment, which is money into the pocket of everyone with young children just to help people get by. We, we have free school meals for school children. We have free bus travel for everyone 21 and under in Scotland. These are progressive policies to make Scotland a fairer and better place to live. And we could do more if we had those powers here. So 
it's it's the wrong thing to say that there would be more pain from separating. It is painful for the people of Scotland to be in this union. We can do better out of it. One of the issues that always came up in Quebec, of course, I sorry, I'm sorry to keep going back to the Canadian context, but for, for both you and I, I think it's very relevant, um, of the never-ending referendum where you have one, if you lose, you have another one, if you lose, you have another one again. Uh, would this be the last one? Democracy is a process of achieving consent between governed and the people who govern. Democracy is not a one-off event. We don't hold elections once and then stay them forever. We hold elections here every five years and for local law and parliament, you know, Scottish parliament and for Westminster parliament. It is a, con- it is a process of consent. And the people of Scotland have repeatedly voted for pro-independence politicians at Westminster and at Holyrood. The people have voted for this. We stood on a mandate to hold this referendum. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're following through on our promise to the Scottish people. Is 50 plus one enough? Is that, is that the barrier? That is the barrier. That was the barrier for Brexit. Of course, we hope to do much better than that. So the papers that was published today is the first of a series of paper that we'll be publishing as the Scottish government to talk to people about what an independent Scotland could look like, what the opportunities are, what structure we might have, all the questions that people will want to know about, setting out that um, that conversation really, to have a national conversation about what kind of country that we want to be. And I hope in allowing people to see the opportunities here, for example, the opportunities to have a written constitution, like all Canadian children, I learned about the Canadian Charter of Rights um, and Freedoms. When I was growing up, we don't have something equivalent here. The UK does not have a written constitution. We have the opportunity in the next few years, if we become independent, to write a constitution for Scotland, to capture what those rights and freedoms might look like for the people of Scotland. And those would be captured in perpetuity. We have the chance to do something new, and it is really time to capture that chance and take this opportunity. As a last question, uh, Lorna, you find yourself right in the thick of it as a Canadian in this very uh, charged topic. Uh, How is it? It's exciting to be right in the thick of it. It's very exciting to be a government minister with the portfolio that I have that's so relevant, biodiversity. We know nature is in crisis all around the world. I grew up with stories of loss. This species is extinct, that species is extinct, loss of habitat, to be part of the effort to turn that around. For example, we've reintroduced beavers into Scotland. When my father grew up in the UK, they were extinct, hunted to extinction. Whereas Scottish children today will grow up with beavers being part of their landscape. And for a Canadian with the biodiversity portfolio, I think that's a wonderful thing. There couldn't be anything more Canadian than that. Lorna Slater, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on.